How about that cigar? How about that cigar? Well, Garrett, it's a beautiful night. It's, I mean, we had some horrible rain earlier today, but, you know, what are you going to do? It uh, it poured rain and hail for a while. It, man, did it come In the come city, down. at least. But up here where my family is, they said nothing. Nothing? Yeah. Uh, I was down in Burnsville during the event. Um, I didn't have tickets, by the way. It the ju- it the just, event? The event. The rain event. Oh, the rain event. No, yeah. you didn't have tickets? I didn't have well, tickets. that's too bad. Um, you party crasher. I, I, yeah. Yep. I forgive you. But all of a sudden it just got dark. This building that I was in yeah. has a lot of windows Yeah, and it was weird. All yeah, sudden, it was. Just... And we have these. So just to my left, we have, um, we have skylights and those skylights. It sounded like a tank was going to come down on my head. Seriously. The, the hail and everything was so loud, but you know, it's all good. What are you going to do? Um, do we have to talk about the Minnesota twins? I kind of, I kind of don't want to, but we do every week, so we'll talk about the twins. I mean, I don't want to be, be all. Do- I don't want to be all doom and gloom. They have been, you know, they've been yeah. holding their own. But when you lose to the White Sox, the White I mean, Sox. So, so we're so tight with Cleveland right now, and Cleveland's got tough series, and we've got easy series, and we're just giving it away. And it's, I mean, it's coming down to the wire here. It's en- it's end of August already. True story. Middle August, whatever. But uh, you know they've got to they got to pull their crap together because it's you know it's getting late in the season and uh, you know we want to have some uh, you know good uh, games moving into the hopefully postseason. Well, I think postseason is a yeah is a lock at this point. Even yeah, postseason's a lock, but we want to be performing well. Correct. When the time comes, so well, and we got. Cruz coming back. Cruz coming back. He's going to play through the, the yeah. tear, which kind of scares me. I'll be honest. Uh, I think he'll be all right. I think so. Too. Yeah, rub some dirt on it. Walk it off. He'll be fine. Yes, rub a little. So, bacon guys, on this it. is episode number twenty-two of How About That Cigar. Thanks so much for joining us. If you are watching live on Facebook, please comment, give us some questions. Um, we're going to bring on our guest in just a few minutes. Um, so like it, Ooh. share it on all your favorites, um, share it on all your favorite cigar groups on Facebook. Um, and, uh, again, you know, leave us comments, leave us questions. We'd love to know what you guys are smoking tonight, what you're drinking tonight and, uh, tell us about all that stuff. Um, without further ado, I want to welcome our guest. So I was fortunate enough to meet this gentleman a few years ago when I was with blind man's puff. And uh, he is a perennial favorite in the cigar industry. He's been in the business for, I don't want to misspeak, but I'm going to say I think it's been 30 years, uh, or if not 30 years plus. So uh, from Ventura Cigar Company, please welcome Mr. Michael Giannini. Michael, how's it going this evening? Hey, Matt and Garrett. Thank you. How about that cigar? Thanks for having me on. it's an absolute honor. Thank you. I am in Thousand Oaks, California with 81 degree weather and it's still sunny out and uh, just beautiful. So thank you. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so, uh, Michael, you've uh, tell us the year that you can remember the year that you first started earning a paycheck in the premium cigar business. It was like 1982, 1983. 82. So we're looking at cl- we're almost at 40 years. Uh, 38 years. I'll start my 39th year, October 10th. Wow. So you were six years old when you started in the business. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I, um, um, I, I was six years old. <laughs> I love to say that, but, uh, unfortunately time is clicking with me, but 
I mean, it's been a great ride and it's been uh, absolutely fun being in the cigar industry. Not yeah. ever, anything I ever thought I would ever get into. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a pretty, you know, it's funny when I was younger, I landed on this at a very young age, not knowing what I wanted to do. And I, here I am 38 years working on 39 years later and still doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to go ahead and tell them what we're about to fire up here, Garrett. We are, we've got uh sweet, but she's psycho a little <laughs> bit psycho. The uh, psycho seven Nicaragua. Yes. Brand spanking new. We want to thank you so much, Michael, for uh, sending these out. And um, I remember when the psycho came out. Yeah. When the first one came when out, the first one yeah. came out and I saw it in that the, the band was all huge and and that psycho was cool i was like that's either really good or it's a gimmick and, <laughs> and it's really good <laughs> and i'm so glad you hit it out of the park on that first one brother because it it's it's a well, solid line to uh my chief sales officer patrick Hurd, who actually started this brand um i was in a different company at the time and when i and like you gentlemen when i first saw this i'm like wow this is super cool breakthrough for at the time because it basically gave you all the ingredients of the cigar on the cigar rather than looking at a shelf talker when you work walk into yeah. trying yeah. to find it out through wherever so it's still uh it's become iconic for this brand and uh, it's cool but this cigar you guys are smoking is made by the next hall of famer oh yes star of the industry indiana ortez um she's a 25 year old master cigar maker in the making um, and so I'm proud that you guys are smoking this cigar. So Indiana, if you're walking, watching out there, love you and keep doing what you're doing because everybody is loving this cigar. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, just to give, uh, uh, give our listeners and our viewers some quick details. This is the Robusto size, uh, and it has a Nicaraguan Desflorado wrapper and, uh, the binders Nicaraguan and fillers from Condega, Esteli and Jalapa in Nicaragua. MSRP on this Robusto size is $8.49, and it is presented in 20-count boxes. Um, Michael, let's go back in time. Let's, okay. uh, let's get in yeah. the time machine and go back and kind of tell us about, you know, that, that first day that you started earning a, a paycheck in the cigar business. Walk us through what some of those experiences were like, some of the companies that you work for that a lot of, uh, you know, our listeners and viewers, they're going to recognize these brands and know these companies. So kind of walk us through your, your Spider-Man origin story in the uh, cigar business. Okay, here we go. You guys ready? Do it. So born and raised in Philadelphia. Um, my parents are off the boat from Italy. Um, I grew up in a row home, very, very poor. And my parents thought that they needed to bring Italy to the States. And so we had the biggest plot of land in the row home area just because they they wanted to grow their Italianness. So, I mean, we had a vineyard, two fig trees, a cherry tree in the back during the summer. It was all wonderful types of Italian lettuces, arugula, which is popular now, and radicchio, and on and on and on. And it was a really cool thing to grow up with, really easy eating a lot of peasant food. So, you know, as every kid, you know, I wanted stuff. So I loved to play hockey. The Flyers at the time won back-to-back Stanley Cup. So, you know, I wanted to make, I wanted to buy a hockey net and hockey sticks and all that. And my parents were like, listen, kid, you know, we're, we're putting food on the table. You're going to school. You got clothes on your back. You want stuff, go get a job. So a friend of mine um, was working at a restaurant and he's like, hey, man, we need somebody to work in the kitchen. I ended up becoming a pot washer, uh, one of the dirtiest jobs. But the coolest thing about that was that, 
you know, I was so intrigued by what the chef was doing that I would wash the pots as quick as I could um, just because I wanted to see what he was doing. So I'm like, chef, what are you doing? And he would show me and he found out that I had an interest. So after that, I was such a great pot washer. I got promoted to a dishwasher. Same same thing. And I was always running over there. Um, and I did this all through high school um, until one day I was 18 years old and starting college. And the chef and a young lady got caught in the back doing some whatever they were doing. And uh, were they they were they were checking inventory, right? Yeah, they were checking inventory and <laughs> who was checking who's, but I didn't know at the time that the general manager came to me and said, Ginny, do you know the recipes? And I'm like, uh, yeah. He's like, well, you're cooking tonight. You're on the line. And so I'm like, well, what happened to the chef? Don't worry about it. Well, we found out later what happened. So, but it was, it was baptism by fire. Yeah. So my parents, you know, being immigrants, you got to go to school, you got to get an education. So that's what I started. I started as a business major and literally wanted to blow my brains out because I could, I, you know, I had accounting classes and I'm like, okay, well, this is just mind boggling to me. I had a lot of management classes, which I love, but my interest was really in, I didn't know at the time, psychology and health because I was a weightlifter at the time and still am. Um, and I transitioned into psychology and ended up graduating with a a major in psych and a minor in bio. And my path was, hey, I'm going to be the next Sigmund Freud. So I'm going to get my PhD. So I did that. I started working on my master's. I was working at the restaurant. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I thought, like, you know, okay, so I need to have a pipe and I need a tweed jacket. The tweed jacket was easy. I walked into a smoke shop outside of Philadelphia. We're now living in the Burps. And Every Friday, like clockwork, I was in there at five o'clock. And after three months, my nickname, I didn't know at the time, was Ben Wade. Ben Wade are these beautiful Danish freehand pipes that you have to carve out of the wood based off what the wood's going to tell you it's going to be. And I was just enthralled by it. So he said to me one day, he said, what do you do? You're always well-dressed. What do you do? And I'm like, dude, um, I teach during the day. So I'm teaching mother recorded mentally ill kids at Temple University. I was working on my master's at night and on the weekends I would chef for 40 hours, um, which was a fun life. But I really got this spirit of the American dream. You want stuff, go work. And so he offered me a job and he's like, OK, well, I need a guy to blend pipe tobacco. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I need a guy to blend pipe tobacco. You're interested. I'm like, I'd probably give you two two nights out of the week. That turned into me. You know, so funniest thing is Christmas time comes. We're in a mall. Uh, we are slammed. You can't do any wrong. People are spending money like crazy. I was the pipe expert. I became the cigar expert. Um, <clears throat> and I had to hand in a paper. And I did it that night, like two, three in the morning. And I handed it in. I got a really great grade. And I'm like, either I'm not really bright or this is really way too easy. I don't know which one it is. And I realized that, you know, teaching during the day was really not my passion. Um, I liked it. Um, I got to apply my psychology stuff to it. My master's degree was probably too easy for what I was trying to do. And so I ended up becoming a clerk. Uh, we bought a retail store together and then I bought it. We bought an independent manufacturer's rep and business, which basically is um, this older gentleman who uh, would travel up and down the East Coast. Um, he wanted to sell his business because his business was dead. And basically he would do is get in a car, drive for 3,000 miles or so, hit tobacco shops and try to sell them, you know, gift lines. He represented a bunch of companies. So me and my partner at the time had more balls and brains. And we said, yeah, let's let's buy that. So I became the road guy and really loved that lifestyle. I mean, I literally would get in a car, leave Philadelphia, spend three weeks on the road with a calling card and map and meet all these wonderful retailers all through the South. 
I, I really liked the time alone because it really got me to think. So you got to really like yourself to be by yourself for a bunch of hours. And I would do this tour and we opened up 22 states that I had, sold a cigar boom com. Um, and the problem with being a broker, for those who brokers out there in the cigar industry, I give them a lot of credit because as soon as you get a line, you lose a line. Um, and during the cigar boom, a lot of crazy stuff happened where people were just coming out like, hey, let me show you a new cutter. Da, da, da. And, you know, you get this stuff in and then they would backdoor you and they would take the business away from you and call directly. But what they didn't realize was the relationships that I had with these retailers like, hey, you know, this company called and they're still in your commission. So I we were the East Coast guys. And so we would actually, you know, not be so sort of lucky for so nice to not have that product anymore. So they would actually, the retailers would actually support us and, you know, watch our backs. So, you know, made a lot of money. 98, the switch turned off. 97, 98, the switch turned off. And one of my mentors in the industry, Manny Ferraro, God bless his soul, worked at Ashton and offered me a position. I took it. I got to live my dream. I wanted to live in Florida. So funny story, 1996, I am in Florida as a broker. My girlfriend calls me at the time. She goes, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, hey, I'm T-shirts, flip-flops. And shorts, it's 80 degrees. I can't believe it. She goes, yeah, we're getting to Nor'easter. You need to get home. And I'm like, get your butt down here. Well, anyhow, I made my way home. We got stuck for three and a half days. I, I had a mouse in me out at that time. I couldn't find my car. And I'm like, I'm shoveling snow. And I'm like. Did you say you couldn't find your car? couldn't find my car. We had three and a half feet of snow. Oh, man. And I couldn't find my car in our parking lot. And, and literally every hour on the hour, I was out there trying to shovel, try to keep up with this because we're watching the news and this thing is like a monster. And I basically said to her, like, I'm out of here next year. I'm out of here. You're coming with me or not. I'm going to Florida. And that dream came because in the 80s, what I also loved was Miami Vice. So I saw myself with a convertible, you know, in the warm weather, just driving. And so I'm like, I'm going to Florida. And I actually moved to Tampa. I got a position with Ashton, did that for about a year and a half. Um, was bored. Um, and then Testarossa. Well, because I knew what, well, yeah, yeah. You know, what was neat about that was I was bored because I knew I'd known all these retailers. And so for me to have this great product to actually sell into retail stores was something that they already knew me and they wanted a product and it was easy. So I was looking for a challenge. Um, and so I had the opportunity to, uh, interview with Ernesto Perez Carrillo at La Gloria. Mm. And so what's unique about that, Ernesto, you know, Ernesto's Barrescadio is one of the last legendary cigar masters on the planet. Um, you know, I would drive by Little Havana and my friends would say to me, hey, man, you know, st- get us some cigars. I'm like, bro, I'm not standing in line. I'm just not happening. I got to move. I you have no idea what I'm doing down here. I'm working, but I'm not going to stand in line. And here I get to stand in this legendary factory to meet Ernesto. Um, it took a bunch of months. Um, he actually sold the Swedish match. I had no idea who these people were. Um, they, I don't even think they made matches at the time, but they bought they bought the company. And so I joined January. Of, I started with him late 99, started in 2000. The first week I'm there, I see a fax come through. Swedish match by 64% of General Cigar. I'm like, well, wow, that's crazy. Because the year before, they sold their mass market division. Yeah. Garcia Vega and White Owls, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm like, I don't know who these people are, but they're pretty powerful. And I'm like, okay, cool. So. Um, during that year, you know, I had brokers, so I was a broker, so I was managing brokers and, you know, I was basically trying to help Ernesto put a company together because we were getting very structured. He had a new warehouse. Um, the reason that he was trying to find somebody is because he had opened up his factory in 97. And so he was trying to get online, but he couldn't do everything. I mean, he couldn't go to events. He couldn't, 
you know, spend time in Miami, go to the factories. I mean, it was a, a, a crazy life for the man and his family. So I got hired on as national sales manager. And so we started together and a year later um, realized that we needed a sales force. And April 3rd, 2001, we merged with General Cigar. Um, and what General Cigar is always great at is inventories, aging reports, um, collecting money, um, getting product out of the factories to the U.S. and then distributing the products, which we weren't as great at at the time. And so all that got taken off of my back and the team that was down there. Um, and then merging in with General Cigar, I'll never forget, I had a great uh, meeting with Mike Condor, who's now working on Crown Heads, who is uh, senior VP of sales and marketing. Yeah. He's like, hey, man, you know, we want to offer you a position. And I, I remember saying to Mike, Mike, I didn't know I didn't have a position. He's like, you know, but you have um, – a lot of ideas. And so I don't really see you as a sales guy. I see you as a marketing guy. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know anything about marketing. He's like, well, you do because you have ideas. So, yeah. So I did. So I learned the discipline of how to put a marketing plan together with the great people that I worked with at General Cigar and Park Avenue, um, with the Coleman family, which is a, one of the fantastic families in the cigar industry that are no longer in it. Um, and that was my progression. Um, 2006, we then were merged. So they basically pulled the shares, uh, Swedish Match did, which meant that they were disbanding General Cigar to Coleman family sold. And so we all got called to Richmond and I got called by two presidents to come to Richmond. Um, <clears throat> and they asked, hey, listen, we love your style. We love your energy. We love the way you think about the business. We need a guy like you. Um, why don't you come here? But you need to move to Richmond, Virginia. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and and I, you know, I'm based in Miami. I am living Don Johnson's life now. I've got a BMW uh, Z4 convertible. Down I mean, I've got cool cool clothes. I mean, I'm living my life, and they're like asking me to go to Richmond. Um, and so I was trying to negotiate with them. Like, well, how about one week out of the month? Yeah, no. How about two weeks? No, you don't understand. You need to be in the office. So December 6th. December 21st, 2006, can't believe I remember this. I ended up packing up my life and moving to Richmond, Virginia. And it was an interesting time there because we were trying to squeeze in a premium cigar company into a mass market company. Um, and so, you know, we had a president that came on board and he allowed me to do a bunch of fun stuff. 2009, Ernesto Pedesquia wanted to start his own business, La, La Alianza, um, and he started that with his kids. Um, and so I took over the brand for La Gloria Cabana. And my first thing that I told everybody was, we don't change anything. We don't change the cellophane. We don't change anything because Ernesto's gone. We have big shoes to fill in. So the idea hit me that, you know what we're going to do? We're not going to change anything, but we're going to innovate. And so I was the orchestra conductor. So I pulled in Ricky Rodriguez, who's now the master blender for CAO. So Ricky came on my team. Judy Guillen, who is one of the master blenders in our factory, or was, in, it still is, in the factory General Cigar. And this gentleman, Leo Perazzo, who had been a cigar roller for four years. And we came, we created Team Gloria, and we just started to innovate. So I was the inside guy that was con conducting everything. Ricky was our road guy. Yuri would help us blend, and Leo would be, go out and do events with us. And so it was a fun thing. So what was fun about that is that we were able to do stuff you know, just come up with really cool ideas and really push La Gloria to a place they hadn't been pushed to. And um, that was a lot of fun for me. So in that interim, we were then traded to um, STG, Scandinavian Tobacco Group. And then we moved from our offices with Swedish Match to our own separate offices with a previous cigar company, where I eventually took over the brand of La Gloria. So I became the spiritual leader to it. Ricky got pulled to CAO. And so I 
kept on doing stuff with LaGloria Innovative. Um, I became creative director, head of innovations, and um, the spiritual leader for LaGloria Cabana and the creator of products. And then I also created my alter ego founder. Um, and so that was a ton of fun to do that. So as the innovation leader, I would work on all the brands at Channel Cigar. Uh, I'd work with the marketing teams. I'd work with the factories. I worked with the agencies and just hand stuff over. So I got my hands on everything with a bunch of other people. It was a ton of fun to work on some big brands like that. I was, so I was such a low Gloria guy that for me to work on blends that would fit each of these brands was a ton of fun. So I could work in the three factories at Jones Cigaros in Dominican, Honduras, Nicaragua. Great team of people, great people. Um, and then here we go, 2016, May 30th. I can't believe I remember these dates. Um, <laughs> the Deeming Regs pop. And I found it very odd that 499 pages, not 500, not 450, 499 pages. And I read it and I'm like, wow, this is pretty interesting. Um, but my life's going to change because at that time, and it's still on us, um, innovation is going to end and we're not going to be able to do much. And I um, launched my last project with Foundry, which was Time Flies. And that's a whole story that I, there's a story behind it. Um, and, you know, after our trade show, I knew it was my last trade show in September. They, uh, I was offered to be the LaGloria ambassador. And I'm like, guys, I love to create. Um, I like being in the factory. I love pre packaging. I didn't know how I had that in me. But the ideas and stuff that I wanted to do was no longer going to be. And I'm like, guys, I'm good. Uh, I retired for a year. And wow. it was a fun year. It was an interesting year because at this point, 35 years, all I did was get off a plane to a smoke shop, to a restaurant, to a hotel, rinse and repeat. And I got to see nothing. You know, so I would come out to L.A. and I'm like, hey, let's go see the Hollywood sign, you know, touristy thing. And it's like, dude, we got events. We got to go. Um, so my retirement was um, interesting because I got to do what I wanted to do. And the next day, I'll never forget, the next day I woke up. Um, I'm like, what am I going to do now? I'm like, whatever the hell I want. So <laughs> and it was cool. It was very it, it was very um, exciting because I knew I closed that chapter of my career. And I never thought I was getting back in the cigar industry because the love for the cigars were still there. But the, yeah. the way that the government's trying to position us is that the lifeblood of every business is innovation. If you cannot innovate, we're all dead. And I, right. I wax poetic about that, but I'm not. Um, so I got to see family. So living in Richmond, my, my mom is now 87. God bless her. Um, got to see her till I'd stay there and my sister and my niece and nephew. And I would spend time with them till they got sick of me or I got sick of them and I'd head back. And I'm like, I got to go travel. And I don't know me. I'm going to L.A. So I literally spent a month out in L.A. Um, so here's where it gets funny. I literally bought so many cigars with me. Well, before I went to L.A., I went to a local tobacconist, Savannah Connections. And Shorty, who's the owner there, is like, dude, what are you doing here? I'm like, I need a box of cigars. He's like, what? I'm like, dude, I have cigars. <clears throat> I've been smoking that are 25 years old, 20 years old, samples I've worked on. I have 18 humidors at home. I'm just tired of smoking all this. So give me something new. And I tore through this box, but I realized how much they were. And I'm like, wow, I haven't bought cigars ever. <laughs> <laughs> I feel for you guys out there that buy cigars. I mean, they were expensive. And but the values were there, right? So a guy that, you know, if you work in a bakery and you got to go buy a cake, it's just like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, right. <clears throat> right. So um, so I came to L.A. Um, I was tearing through cigars and I walked into a local smoke shop and, you know, people were like, what are you doing here? Like, I'm moving here. 
Why? Because I'm getting into the jewelry business or the fashion industry is really what tweaks my interest. And I have that passion for that. And, you know, I like to be creative. So I want to do that. And I realized that I'm smoking about 10, 15 cigars in California that cost me 20 bucks a pop. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to go broke. Um, and I'm here for three more weeks. So I actually called Cretech International, the CMO, just uh, Jason Carrigan. Um, we were fans of each other. I was very familiar with his archetype brand and what he had created and the cycle brand. I loved a lot. So Patrick Hurd and Sergio Montalfo um, and the Kassar family I met. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, listen, I just want to buy cigars at wholesale. I can't buy cigars at retail. So they're like, well, come up and see us. So I went up and I absolutely fell in love with the guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't believe it. I walked into their conference room and they're like, you want a cigar? You want snooze? You want snuff? You want what do you want? Like, do snooze and give me a cigar. So, you know, they, so the conversation went like, listen, we're trying to get serious about Ventura's cigar. Um, we right now have a position to upper Phillips and King, which I'll explain. And we need a guy that is a personality that it creates and a guy that knows tobacco. Are you interested? And I'm like, yeah, my only interest is, can I create? He's like, have you paid attention in 17? I'm like, 16? I'm like, no, dude, I've been off the radar. And the reason I was off the radar, I would, my, the day I retired, I, my phone, Facebook, Instagram, I mean, every social media piece was off the hook. And people were like, I can't believe you're walking. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm really, really good. Yeah. And so, um, and, and that was consistent. And I'm like, guys, I got to live my life. I don't know what it's like not to be in the industry mm-hmm. for years so i done yeah so you, I, had to, you had to unplug for a little while had to yeah had to. let me let me uh um we got some new uh viewers here michael so i want to catch everybody up uh here hey guys this is episode 22 of how about that cigar and we are very fortunate to be um meeting with mr michael giannini from ventura cigar company he's walking us through um his many years of service and and creation uh you know creativity in the cigar business um so um Michael, His please. Uh, origin story. And also, um, we've got an interesting comment from. Yeah, this is I like this. Uh, so Mario Yaga, if I'm saying that name correctly, says, yo, Johnny Depp, how much for the couch? I don't know what that means, but I have a feeling you do, Michael. <laughs> I'm actually not in a couch. That's my. <laughs> DM me and we'll figure it out. <laughs> So, so, um, this is, this is at the point where you started, um, now Michael, you started getting to know the people at Ventura. So also real quick, sorry to, to interrupt again. Um, please leave, uh, questions and comments for Michael, for, um, the process, anything about his, uh, story and cigars or what's going on now. And uh, you may have a chance to win some some swag. We got some nice hats. We got some and and some cigars from our personal collection here at How About That Cigar. Got some yummy hats. These hats are seriously legit. I love this hat. So so we'll uh, we'll be giving some of these away. So for those of you who would like to uh, come away with some of that very cool swag, leave comments and questions, and we will uh, randomly select some uh some winners some winners so uh uh michael uh this is just where you were getting to the point of getting to know the people at ventura well i mean this this hour and change meeting i just fell in love with the guys i love the culture um the culture was one uh it was all these guys were into what they were doing as far as tobacco very bright um very um 
very down to earth. And I just fell in love with the people. And I'm like, you know what? I'm interested. So then next conversation is when do you want to start? And I'm like, well, I got to move to LA. I'm like, no, you're on the East coast. Why don't you uh, start in two weeks? I'm like what? And I'm like, I love their style. Cause let's go. I mean, time's clicking. Let's go. So basically I started working with the sales group, um, traveled with all of them. Um, and you know, it was interesting to walk into tobacco shops and I walk in and people are like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm with him, our sales guy. I'm like, are you back? And I'm like, yeah, I'm back. Um, and so it was nice that people didn't forget me. You know, I am not in this business to say, hey, look at me and see what I'm doing. I went to work to speak for itself. And, you know, the work did speak for itself because I was embraced back by everybody. People in the industry, also in the trade, on the manufacturing side, were so excited that I came back. Um, so it was a really nice thing. Um so I became the personality and I started working with our team and, you know, learned all the ins and outs and, you know, all the issues and non-issues. And a couple months later, I had three bosses. So I had Patrick, I had Sergio and I had Jason. These guys are super busy. So let me tell you a little bit about our company. Cretech is our parent company. Cretech sells clove cigars. Um, we also sell Drift, which is a nicotine pouch. We also sell Cuban rounds and rejects. Um, Phillips and King is the largest distributor of tobacco products and, and non, non-traditional non tobacco products across the United States. So we, our company, Phillips & King, sells cigars to everybody's cigars in the industry through either second or third channels. So if you need, if you want to get into the cigar business in a liquor store, we sent, set you up with a cabinet. So we sell you whatever products you need that are best sellers. Um, and it's a great leeway into selling products to get more consumers into the category that may not have a traditional tobacco shop to go to. So we hit every channel and every chain. So I was part under under the Phillips and King. So it was difficult in a way to sell to, to have a premium cigar company that is run by a distributor. So which is an interesting thing. And, and you know, kudos credit to the family of Patrick heard, you know, we moved the company out the end of last year into the beginning of this year. And now we're a standalone cigar company. Um, and at the same time, early 18, you know, I, me trying to chase down these three cats. I'm like, listen, why don't you let me run it, run the business? Because there's decisions I need to make and I can't get all three of you because you're all traveling and you're all busy. And I'm like, well, yeah, we should do that. And so I became GM. Um, I'm the head of, of the, uh, Ventura Cigar Company, which is cool. So my dream's always been to be able now that we can do some things, to be able to work in the factories, work on the packaging with a great creative team that we have here at Cretech and Ventura, um, tap into those folks. And then I actually come back and work on the marketing with my marketing team and then actually have my sales folks sell that. So, you know, understanding every aspect of the business between operations and factories and tobacco and how to sell and how to put a program together, et cetera, et cetera. I've, I've done that over my course of 38 years. And so to be in this position is not something I ever thought I'd be in. First, secondly, I never thought I'd be back in the industry. And thirdly, I give credit to the Kassar family and the team I mentioned, Jason, Sergio, Patrick. I mean, these guys are the guys that actually brought me in. And, you know, they're so entrepreneurial that, you know, it's just the freedom to be able to do stuff. So, yeah. so what's interesting about that, I'm sorry, I'm just rambling. Um, not rambling, but I'm just telling you my story. The, the, oh, the, mm. The fascinating thing is, you know, there's such relationships in this industry that November of last year, we got offered my foundry brand back from General Cigar. And so it came back to the rightful owner. And uh, so I'm excited to have that brand back. So karma is a really interesting thing. And so I looked at a guy upstairs and I'm like, you know, it's interesting, you know, as as much as we think we have a plan in life, you know, 
<laughs> he was just like, dude, this is what you're going to do. Yeah. And you're going to end up in a place that you wanted to move to. So the reason I wanted to come to California, um, you know, I was, I came out here and I pretty much had seen a lot of it. And I just fell in love with this state. It is such a beautiful state. But as a creative guy, I am so inspired by what I see out here. And yeah. it's unique because, I mean, the weather and the beach and beaches and the mountains. I mean, I literally walk out of my house and I'm mountains all around me. And, you know, it's just beautiful here. And you can go to the beach and you can see some pretty ladies. And uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty interesting place. The politics are something to discuss at a later time. But yeah. <laughs> what I found is that, you know, as much as everybody hears across the country that California is anti-smoking, there's a lot of cigar smokers out here. Yeah. One of the biggest markets for that. So don't believe everything you hear. We have a very strong market out here in California, even though the government, the, the, the local government and the state government is trying to clash clash on that. But yeah, people that love cigars. So it's yeah. cool. So that's a long way to get to where I was. Hey, yeah, I mean, great origin story. It's brother. a great story. Yep. I, when you've been in the business that long and you've, I mean, some of the people, like you said, some of the people you've been able to collaborate with and, and, and work with, I mean, uh, just, just one out of, out of the many that you mentioned, I mean, Ricky, it, well, Ricky, Ricky, I mean, give me a break. Ricky Rodriguez. I mean, the guy is just, he's got a heart of gold. I mean, we, we were fortunate enough to interview him. He had the, the, a launch party for one of his new cigars at a, uh, at fat ash cigar lounge down in, in Ashland, Kentucky, uh, about, uh, three weeks ago, mm-hmm. four weeks ago. And we, we actually went down there and, uh, covered the launch party and interviewed him and, and did a live show there and everything. And, um, he's, he's just got a heart of gold. And then, you know, Mr. Mr. Ernesto Perez Carrillo. I mean, you know, an, another guy who's got a heart of gold, but his, his, his brain, his brain for tobacco, his tobacco mind is just, uh, it, it's incredible. And to be able to, to be able to tap into that knowledge of the leaf and all the nuance of different varietals and different primings and different this and different that in order to create and, and innovate had, had to have been like a, a great, absolute joy it's you know it's funny my first time going to his factory he was in a different uh, free zone and you know at this point is 1999 i thought i knew a lot about the industry so i walked into his factory and you know it, it reminded me of being a you know a young kid washing dishes where i would run over to the chef and ernesto's taking me through the factory and i'm just like how can we do that what are you doing there and they're like dude come on we gotta go like no no ernesto and he was very patient with me to explain everything that he was doing that we worked side by side and uh, it was unique. It was a unique and, and another mentor in my life. Um, when I was at the head of innovations, I had Benji Menendez who would sit to my right. Oh my God. Ricky was in these meetings with me as well. We had a really small team that we absolutely loved to work with. And here's Benji Menendez. You know, funny story about Benji. Um, when I was a retailer, they general Star used to have this thing in Connecticut where they would actually take retailers up. And so we had some staffing issues and I couldn't go. So I sent one of my employees and I was so pissed that, you know, like, dude, really, I can't, can't get to get on this trip. So at the uh, big smoke in New York, it used to be two sessions, <laughs> spring session. I'm walking through the booth, walking through the Marriott Marquis and there's Benji Menendez. And I walk up like a little kid. Hello, Ms. Menendez. I'm uh, Michael Zanini. I wanted to meet you when uh, I wish I could have come to your thing. And he's like, he was so gracious to me. And here he is. You know, I, when I when we joined General Cigar, in two, when we joined officially General Cigar, when we merged in, in April of 2001, our PR person says to me, hey, do you know anything about Benji Menendez? And I'm like, yeah. And, it's good. and, and I said, why? Because he's joining our company. And I almost fell out of my chair like, what? 
because he was yeah. living into this or consolidated at the time and he was joining General Cigar. And who would have known like nine years later, I'd be sitting with him. And these are all going to lay into stories later about what we launched this year, uh, which I'm super proud of, um, that, the, you know, karma, all these things came back as, you know, as much time as I spent in this industry. And it's a pretty amazing uh I'm a blessed cat because the guy upstairs looking out for me and I know my mom sits at home and does the rosaries for me. Mom, they are paying off. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. Um, so that's actually a cool segue because, you know, in talking about some of the, some of the, the long-term legends of this business, like Ernesto and Benji, um, now you with this new project with the psycho seven Nicaragua, with with Indiana Ortez, I mean, she is. Uh, I I just like you already said. I echo the fact that she is poised to be one of the new stars of the premium cigar industry. She and I remember meeting her at IPCPR two years ago, and just she is just she is a ball of energy. Yep. She has she's passionate about tobacco. She loves people. She loves the creative process and and so just talk talk about how this project came to be and you know her coming from the family that she comes from and the knowledge of tobacco and 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 what that process is like as far as you know being able to play even a little bit of a part in 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 building up a career of a young up-and-coming star in the premium cigar world um, it's again, another blessed story. Um, so one of our guys in our office, uh, Ben Winokur, who works on our marketing team, um, we had this project before I came in called father friends on fire and father friends on fire was the idea that we would celebrate fathers and their friends with pipes. And so we wanted to add a cigar component to it. And, you know, I jokingly say this, um, you know, men become sperm banks and then they become banks when they get older. Um, and it's, it's, there's no other way to say it, but I learned this through my brother-in-law. He, Tony is a great guy. I mean, I remember going home and going into his office and I'm like, dude, how you doing? He goes, dude, everybody's asking me for money and I need this and that. And he's such a kind man that, you know, it was kind of a joke. And I'm like, oh, you're a sperm bank and now you're a bank. You're the bank of Pimpinella. That's his last name. And he's like, he's laughing. So, um, that was the emphasis of that. So Ben said, hey, listen, I met this young lady who would be neat to do a father and daughter. So we called her up in February of 17 and 18. 18. So um, didn't speak. She didn't speak much English. I'm like, listen, we have this really cool idea. We need to do a father and daughter. And can you come up with a blend for us? And she's like, wow. So she texted us. She goes, I'm so happy. I'm crying with, with tears of joy because today's my 24th birthday and I'm so excited. So Subsequently, I'm waiting for the cigars. They don't show up. Patrick Heard and I um, have a trip. Um, we're going to Monaco because I'm getting ready to launch this. I know the cigars are made, but I've never smoked them. And so I don't know. And I am just furious because I can't believe we can't get cigars out of Nicaragua to our office in California, Moore Park, California. So as we're driving that night from Managua to Esteli, I'm saying to Patrick, you know, we were talking about American Idol. And I'm like, maybe we'll find a Nicaraguan Idol here. So the next morning we show up and and their factory. And I meet her dad, Omar Atez, who is another legendary. Singer. Yeah. And he's six foot five, thin as a rail. And he's yeah. got his own face. I meet her uncle, who is his brother, six foot five stone face. And this petite, beautiful young lady comes walking in very well dressed. 
And I'm looking at him. I just walked into the Nicaraguan mafia here. <laughs> you, you lady popping out. She's like, hey, I want you to try my cigar. So Patrick and I are smoking a cigar. We're giving a Philly, like, what do you think? Like, you know, this is great. And so she goes, do you like my cigar? And I'm like, no. And she's just like, this is the boo-boo face on her. And I'm like, no, yeah. Indian, I love this cigar. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I my, my tension and stress is all gone. I'm like, we got a winner here. So I'm like, hey, we explain the story to her. And I'm like, okay, let's go down to your factory. Let's go check out your factory. Hey, I'm going to shoot a video right now. And she's like, what do you want me to say? No, just follow my lead. And so it was my test. And so she, she killed it. And I looked at her and I'm like, I'm going to hire you. I don't know when, but I'm going to hire you. So I had a feeling. So here we go. We did the father fence and fire. It blew up. We did it in our coffin. She killed it. Um, she came to our trade show. Um, and so, I mean, again, you met her two years ago, Matt, and yeah. she was like walking up and I'm just looking at her like, where do you get this knowledge at 24 years old? And, and exactly, exactly. Right. Blown away by her, her, her appearance, her, her language, her, her kindness. I mean, you just feel this light around her. So, okay. So karma again, I get my rolling event back at the Cigar Aficionado Big Smoke in Vegas, where we teach people how to roll cigars um, on the Sunday seminar, but we do this Friday and Saturday. So um, as a way to entertain ourselves, but also impart knowledge of how hard it is to roll cigars. So we actually have consumers that are able to do this and we get prizes away. So I said, Indiana, why don't you come to California? Cause I'm, I'm going to hire you. You need to meet our team. And Bring some cigars if you have them. So she brings, this is her joke. She brings me five cigars or four different blends. And I looked at her. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? I'm going to smoke four and I'm going to give one to who? Like, you know, why? Because this is the way I do stuff. Okay. So that night we go. (laughs) I mean, it's hysterical, but this is her way of just playing with me. And so again, here we are with a bunch of people. We're all smoking this one cigar and we're all doing a head nod. So I'm like, what do you think of my cigar? I'm not telling you. And like, don't tell her anything. So um, <laughs> we get on a plane, we go to Vegas, she kills it. Um, so, but the next day I pick her up at the hotel with my convertible and I'm like, Indiana, it's a 15 minute drive. Indiana, tell me about this cigar. It's just a Dust Lorada wrapper. What? A Dust Lorada wrapper. I'm like, what the hell is that, Indiana? I've never heard of this wrapper. She goes, well, here's what they do to it. They actually let it grow instead of, instead of deflowering the flower. They wait an extra period of time, probably about 60 to 65 days to be flower and actually causes more flavor into the cigar. It's a wrapper. Okay. And I'm just looking at her in amazement. Like, how do you know this? I don't even know this. And I've been doing this forever. So we get to my, we get to our office. I put her in my office and I'm running around the office and I come back and I see her on her cell phone and I'm like, okay, here we go. Here's a millennial. She's either calling her friends like, hey, I'm in California or I miss home. And I'm like, Indiana, what are you doing? She goes, I'm talking to the grower (laughs) and she's taking notes. And I'm like, "Okay, well, you just keep doing that. And so (laughs) I come back and she tells me she's still working. She's she's this, you know, she's this kid in California, but she's still working the tobacco back home. It's unbelievable. I was so blown away by that. So we get on the plane, we go to Vegas and this is the cigar that we smoked. So. Um, I called her up either at the end of that trip. I don't recall exactly, but I said to her, Hey, Indiana, um, this cigar is so killer that you are now taking over the psycho brand. Your name's going to be on the packaging and this is your blend and you're going to promote it. And it's all yours. And she literally was blown away. And, you know, that's kind of says a lot about our company to take now she's 25 years old to actually take this young lady to actually put her on a big brand and actually have her name on it and run it. Yeah. Uh, is my value to me. So 
the story's not over. So here we go. This year's trade show, she brings me this beautiful accordion box with 25 cigars in it of new samples. And she goes, my first day at FPC Car, she gives me this box. And she says to me, Michael, I got you 25 cigars. I listened to you. I'm like, cool. I took the box. I hide it in the back of our closet. Next morning, Saturday morning, she goes, Michael, um, I would like to have that box out. I'm like, Indiana, it's not a gift anymore if I have to show it to the world. She goes, Michael, well, then I'm like, you know, Indiana, this is not again. So I'm jacking with her. And I'm like, Indiana, of course you can have that. But nobody's getting these samples. So I already have a blend lined up for her for next year. And she just drops this on me. And I, and you know, the whole show I'm smoking. She goes, what do you think? Like, I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you. And then finally, after we got back, I'm like, this is freaking phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. So that's who I have. And I'm so blessed. So what's exciting is we've taken psycho to eight countries. We're launching this at Dortmund in September. So we're going to be in nine countries, our international guy, Rick Charles, um, Thank you, Rick. So we got Psycho in Switzerland, and I just came off a tour with our international guy and Patrick, and we blew it up in, in there. And so what's funny is because of our Psycho brand, people are like, how do we get Psycho Nicaragua? We heard so much about Indiana that we need a cigar over in Europe. So that's going to be – it's a global brand. So I'm excited to be able to bring this young lady, save her time to be able to use our muscle to get her out into the marketplace and actually see her creations hit the market. And she's super excited, as am I. So – it's just yeah. a beautiful, beautiful story. Yeah, a hundred percent. Love and it. And the, uh, I mean, these are these are fresh off the, you know, the shipment. We just received them yesterday. But one thing that strikes me about this cigar, um, and I sampled one, of course, last night. I, I had to. I cracked the box open right away and, and sampled one. But even now, smoking this one right now, one of the things that strikes me is how sweet and smooth the retrohale is. Mm-hmm. Even through the nose, you know, passing that passing that smoke through the through the sinus cavities, there there's not really there's not really bite or harshness. It's smooth and sweet even through the nose, which you know for a uh, for any cigar is is a good thing. But for a cigar that literally just came off a UPS truck, to do that right out of the box is is you know pretty incredible. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, the neat thing about this is what I learned about this wrapper is it is a Connecticut scene grown in Nicaragua and the fillers okay. in the Nicaragua. So what I love was her expression. This is her voice about how she likes to blend. The funny story was, you know, her dad who has a specific taste and her uncle had a specific taste. So she was trying to find her voice through her dad's taste profile. And she's like, no, dad, this is my taste. <laughs> you know, and then she had her dad actually smile, um, which is kind of cool. The follow-up story to this is we came, we went down the early part of this year um, to shoot some videos with her and really promote the launch of Cycle Nicaragua. And her family basically uh, closed a restaurant for us. And so here we are. I felt like I was an Italian uh, meet and greet, and I'm actually marrying her daughter, which is kind of funny to me. <laughs> I had mom there. I had her sisters, and I had her twin sister, which I didn't know she had a twin sister, but she told me she had a twin sister because I met her older sister. So there's four girls and a boy. And I met their niece and nephew, and it was like an Italian uh, dinner. And dad was a teddy bear. Mom is just a sweetheart, his sisters. But I didn't meet the other sister, who they keep saying. I'm like, so I meet, finally I meet Indiana's twin, who I'd met her older sister, who actually makes the box for us. Her twin sister is a fashion designer who actually makes Indiana's shoes, and she makes purses and stuff. So she's making some swag for us. Um, her brother is actually works in the fields that makes the raw materials. And her sister I met the day after is actually the lawyer and accountant to the family. So the entire family is in support of 
Indiana and what she's doing, but we're using her dad's materials, who her brother actually works in the fields. The boxes are made by her sister. We have the accountant and the lawyer involved. I mean, it's just like, what a great story to run into. We had such yeah. a great time that night that I was like, God, this is like, this, thank you, Lord. This is how these beautiful things come together. Man, that's that's so. incredible. And, and I mean, Omar's cigar, I mean, the the, the Omar Ortez originals, I, they're in my humidor all the time. When I when I see I'm getting down to three or four left, I order more. They're great cigars. They're great cigars. Yep. They're 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 a good price point. And this this new Psycho Seven Nicaragua, it's a great cigar. It's a low price point. Yep. So it's and it's and it's just it's something a little bit different than what's you know. Uh, sometimes uh, we have to admit, as premium cigar smokers, as people who love premium cigars, and as guys who kind of nerd out maybe a little bit deeper than than your average cigar smoker. Sometimes you can you can have to search a little bit to find something that's that's really got even something just a little bit different, just a little twist that's a little bit uh, apart from the norm, and this this delivers on that. It really does. And, and the thing that everybody out there should understand, just because a cigar says Nicaragua in it, it is if you're doing a Nicaraguan puro, it is probably one of the hardest things to do because. Different regions that Indiana is using are specifically used for certain things. So if you want some certain strength from a cigar, you'll use a lot of Lajeros from a certain area in Nicaragua, or you'll use a lot of a lot of that. And it gets very peppery, and it can become one-dimensional. If you don't blend these cigars right to get this flavor profile out of it, it's one of the hardest things that I've worked on projects that tried to do Nicaraguan Poros. And it is very, very, di- very difficult without having these spice bombs hit you with yeah. – tons of strength that you can't have strength and flavor at the same time. So it can become one dimensional and the guys that are doing it there, I mean, the Placentia family and Skip and AJ Fernandez, those guys have figured out how to do this, but this young person to be able to do this. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. I mean, I mean, it's incredible. So I've become a huge fan of hers. So in the, in the family, you know, the family of Ventura cigar lines, Ventura cigar brands, We've got the psycho, we've got the archetype, we've got the case study. Um, since we were not, at, how about that cigar? We weren't able, unfortunately, to be at IPCPR this year. Give us the rundown of Ventura cigars uh, as far as, obviously, the new stuff. Um, and give us an idea of when people can start to see those in their nearby shops and uh, about those blends specifically. So th- so the brands that we have is archetype, psycho, um, uh, we, we have case study, which we're not focusing in on right now because I'm using those for special projects. And we launched this brand called Cuban Cigar Factory. So what we did this year and Psycho Nicaragua came out early part of this year and really hit hit heavy at the IPCPR. Um, so Cuban Cigar Factory is a brand that the Casar family bought about three years ago. And one of the reasons that was purchased because of more predicate blends in that. So, you know, as we go into this world, you've got to have blends that you can say, hey, I've been in, in commerce for a period of time. But you're able to tweak them a little bit. Um, so this was a project that dropped on me when I had this interview. This is what you're going to create. Um, what are you going to do with it? So I thought long and hard about it. And I'm like, you know, I could. You know, it's basically a little touristy area in San Diego where you could walk in and buy cigars as a tourist. I'm like, oh, it's cool. I see somebody rolling cigars. And I didn't want it to be that. So I thought long and hard about it. And it's funny what happened. Uh, I was back in Philadelphia in my car um, and I'm in front of Walgreens and it's 430. They're closing at five. I have a Christmas party to go to with my family. 
And I had to call Benji Menendez. And Benji is one of those gentlemen that you just don't have a quick conversation with. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, if I don't call Benji now, I'm going to go in there and get my stuff. I'm going to forget about to call him. And I need to wish him a Merry Christmas on Christmas Eve. And it's freezing. And I am freezing my balls off. And I'm smoking a cigar. And I'm like, just call him. Hey, Benji, Merry Christmas to you and your family. How you doing? I'm great. I'm, I'm here in Miami. What are you doing? And he's like, no, I'm just here. And I'm like, Benji. And it dawned on me, Benji, what are you doing? He's like, nothing. When are you going to come see me? And I'm like, Benji, I have an idea. Would you do a project with me? And he's like, Mike, I'll do anything for you. I love you. And I'm like, Benji, thank you. You just gave me my Christmas gift. So boom, get in, get my thing. And I'm thinking about it over Christmas. So I immediately called my office. Of course, nobody's answering. Um, and after the holidays, I called, I got the idea for Cuban Cigar Factory. I want to pay homage to the people that the younger generation has forgotten about. And early on, we were talking about rock groups that the younger generation doesn't know. And my obligation to Benji was, you know, this is the only guy that's worked in eight different countries that's created basically all the great major brands, Monte Cristo's from his family, Partigas, uh, H. Upman, Porla Don Diego. So two of the biggest companies, Benji's had an influence on this. Um, his cigars were the cigars and his family were the cigars that were sold all through the 70s and 80s and still exist today. But the younger generation has forgotten about them. And yeah. I can't let this happen. So it became a passion project for me. So my next step was, oh, Benji cannot leave Miami. So who do I work with? Oh, well, the other guy that I've always loved is Manolo Casada. Yeah. And Manolo, you know, my, my, I've met Manolo numerous times. He's just absolute gentleman. Um, Another legendary guy that maybe people have forgotten about, but he's still in the industry. I smoked this two by two when I was a clerk. We were doing cigar dinners during the cigar boom. And I small little cigar that, you know, I'm smoking seven by 54s and this biggest cigar because I'm a young guy and I need a big cigar in my mouth. And this repositioned the way I thought about cigars as a clerk. Um, so I'm like, Manolo Casado. So I went down there to visit him and I'm like, this was two years ago. And I'm like, Manolo. If this really cool idea, I want to pay, I want to tell your story as well. And I want you to make Benji cigar, but us three are going to work together on these projects. And Manolo is like, um, you know, well, yeah, I'm interested, Michael. And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool, Benji, uh, Manolo, but you're going to work on Benji cigar. He's like, well, I, listen, I haven't seen Benji and, um, you know, I'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll figure this out. So we worked for two years trying to triangulate people. I'm in LA, Benji's in Miami, Manolo's in the DR, they don't really travel. And so we triangulated this, but I also have shot a ton of video because I'm trying to document both their lives. Interesting fact about Manolo, he only wears blue. Um, his first factory was blue in 74. So if you look at him, every time you see him, he's got a blue shirt on, which is fascinating. So we made his box blue, Benji's box is yellow as an homage to the brands he created. So I've got these two legendary guys. And so funny thing was that, you know, our CMO, Jason Kagan said to me one day, he goes, you know who you are? You're Rick Rubin. And I'm like, ah, he's like, dude, you're the guy that's bringing back, um, you know, these great artists to make him, you know, relevant to the younger generation. And so I, you know, what I always tell people, and this is what I was telling people at the IPCPR, don't look at me because I'm, you know, I'm a personality, whatever the hell that means in the industry. But I've not spent my life in a factory. I love being in factories. I've blended. I've worked with tobacco, et cetera, et cetera. But my life's goal was not to spend my life in a factory. So my job is to bring these guys back and not let people forget about them because these guys are legendary guys. And I am standing on their shoulders and I can't let people forget about them. So I'm trying to make these guys like these are the OGs. You need to check out these guys because these guys are super cool. And the stories that come out of their mouths are unbelievable. Yeah. 
So early part of this year, I spent an entire day and a half with Manolo. We shot a ton of video with him. So we're going to tell his story. And so Manolo was kind enough to get on a plane and come to Miami. And neither one of Benji nor Manolo had seen each other for four years. And so we're sitting in his garage because it was raining in Miami. And it's hysterical. Here's four guys. My, my videographer, Cher Tour, was with us. And we're smoking cigars in the garage. And Manolo, you know, this is the kind of guys he's are. He goes, you know, Benji and I were going to do a project together. And when when Benji left uh, Altidus, we were going to do a project together. And then General Cigar came calling, which I happened to be a General Cigar at the time. And Benji took the General Cigar position. It's the first time in our careers we ever worked together. And I'm like, and you brought us together, Michael. And I was like, I had like a tear in my eye. Like, I, I can't believe you two guys and this friendship. I'm the guy that gets to bring this to life. So um, there's three sizes for Benji. There's three sizes with Manolo. Manolo and I are going to be touring a little bit throughout the U.S. Um, Benji, unfortunately, is not able to tour. Um, so we're going to tell his story for him. And then the idea is I'm going to drop drop documentaries and little short pieces about these guys' careers uh, through uh, social media. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Like like you said, I mean, it's you know, it's like it's like a rock and roll fan, you know, who's my my son. For example, my son will be 18 in just a couple of weeks. Congratulations. At the, at the same time, you know, he's just a kid, but he loves Queen and he loves the Stones and he loves the Beatles and he loves Zeppelin and Aerosmith. And, you know, and he and that's because I mean, I'm in addition to being a cigar nerd, I'm also a music nerd. You know, I grew up in a musical family, you know, studied music in college. You know, that's what I spent a lot of my life doing, but just so, so grateful to see the, cause we, we call ourselves, you know, how about that cigar? It, it's consumer focused cigar info and entertainment. And part of that is just like you said, we cannot forget about these legends that, mm-hmm. that turned premium tobacco into what it is today, you know, and the, the people who are still with us, and the people who have passed on since, you know, whether it's uh, Benji Menendez or or Frankie Neza or Avo or or the 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 Kellner family or just keep naming name after name after name after name after name, there are dozens, hundreds, thousands of tobacco legends in the premium cigar world who so many people who are under the age of forty even just don't realize the contribution that they made to this, to, to, to these products that we enjoy on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Amen. And, you know, it, and this part of my career, I mean, it's nice to be able to do these things that, you know, with the freedom of a great company, Ventura Cigar Company, that we're able to do this, that this has become a passion piece for me and it had more meaning. Um, you know, part of what we do at Ventura is three really easy things. It's we tell stories which is what great brands always do. And every one of our business has a great story. We design really cool packaging because that's what we do. And thirdly is we work with the greatest manufacturers on the planet. So for me, I'm so blessed because um, that's in my wheelhouse. So I understand that philosophy very, very well um, to be able to work with cigar manufacturers throughout the U S um, we don't have any heritage brands. None of us are Cuban. Um, it's this California thing that I always tell people, there's a mystical thing about California that, you know, there's Hollywood here, but you got Orange County and you've got, you know, Napa Valley, et cetera. But when you come here, it is you get inspired by the weather and the environment. And it's a chill atmosphere, even though I'm an East Coast guy that's always, you know, moving. Um, 
But there's something cool about that. So to be able to design packaging and tell really cool stories is something that what I think younger consumers are looking for is, is that what I'm looking for. Yeah. I'm looking for something that breaks out of the mold that is fun and has a really cool story. So if you want to get into the archetype story, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, you know, you're, you're attracted by the cool packaging, but there's a little door you can open up and you can learn about Carl Young. You can learn about Joseph Campbell. You can learn about the hero's journey. Um, there's an interesting story behind that. So if you're a nerdy, geeky person, which a lot of us are, we will never admit it. Um, guilty. guilty. Right? Yeah. Right? There's stuff that we all look at on YouTube to just find out about something really, really unique that interests you and it makes your life that much better. So that's what we do. Um, so to be able to work with Manola, which I never thought in my life I'd be able to do that, you know, archetype chapter one, which is what we call dream state, sage advice, and trades passage. I mean, those are made by the accidental factory, which is part of Davidoff. We have uh, our straits passes made by the, in the Camacho factory in Honduras. Um, the um, we did last year we did uh, curses, the fantasy miniseries curses, cloaks, and crystals. Yeah. Which we have a factory in in Nicaragua, then Indiana Ortez, and then you know I got to go back to an old friend of mine, Ernesto Perez Carrillo, which is what we launched in Archetype Chapter Three. Um, that was a year project with Ernesto. Um, I went to him and I'm like, Ernesto, I'd love to do a project. And, you know, funny with Ernesto and I, we have this history. There's a numerological history with us. Either everything is zeros or fours or nines or tens. Um, we started together in 1999. He left in 2009. We regrouped to do our rolling event in 2018, which is 10 years after he left. We Last time we did the rolling event at Vegas Big Spoke was 2008. Um, this is our third time we've done something together. Um, this is chapter three in archetypes. So all these numerological numbers come up. And I don't know if you believe in that stuff, but the older I get, the more I believe in these numbers. Have you ever heard of angel numbers? There's a little geeky thing for you. You should look that up because I see this all the time. And it's just like very unique to see that. Um, and so here we are. So, you know, I we did a, a project called Sacred Scales and Dawn of Destiny. Sacred Scales is this wolf that has a scale with a feather and a heart. And it's part of the archetype story, which is, you know, the hero's journey is basically this. You know, we start with dream state, which is Luke Skywalker. Yep. Who's on the planet. Sage advice is our parents or Yoda says, bro, you need to get off this planet and do something with your life. He starts his strange passage. He gets initiated into the world and then he comes to the tree of life. But in between that are stories, which is the hero's on top. Something happens. He has to regroup and comes out of this battle and he has to figure out. Is my heart light from this or is my heart heavy? And then Wolf is the judge. This is an Egyptian uh, folklore. Yeah. So we have a really cool wolf's head that has just scales. And then the Dawn of Destiny is Rebirth, which is basically a dung beetle that has spread its wings. And now you continue on to your journey. We can all relate to this as we go through our phases in our life. And so that was fun. So we also did it in neon color. So if you put a black light under it, the bands in the box will light up. Um, and so when I first showed this to Ernesto, he started chuckling because he has a very Cuban-esque sensibility about how he goes to market. But I know he likes to do fun stuff. And he always knows I always got some cra crazy ideas of doing different things. And he appreciates that. So that trust and relationship that we have. Yeah. 20 years since we've known each other. So here we are. We launched this project. It's it's we harken back to some of our previous careers. We did a um a Mexican San Andreas Maduro, and we did a Sumatra wrapper on, on the other blend. So, yeah, fantastic blends. But I got to team up with another legendary guy. So here's my trade show this year. I had Benji Menendez, Hall of Famer, retired legendary guy, eight different factories. Manolo Casado, Hall of Famer, 
Mm. Uh, legendary guy. Yeah. Ernesto Pesquería, Hall of Famer. Um, two-time award winner of number one cigar. And Indiana Ortez, who's the next up-and-coming rock star. Jewish States with Chapter 3 and Davidoff. I mean, what a lineup, right? And it's, it's interesting because you hear so many times, and we almost... These days, you know, whether it's at my office or, or you know, with my friends or whatever, you know, the the sort of a, a phrase, it's almost a joke now. People say, hey, how you doing? And you say, oh, I'm living the dream. But honestly, for you, for you, Michael, to be able to work with these people, to be able to create with these legends and to help to even, like I said, play even a small part in mentoring the next up and coming generation of of premium cigar makers, it's it's actually living the dream. I mean, it's seriously, you're, you're a blessed man and it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. So, so hats off to you. Seriously. Thank you. I, you know, again, this is not about me. I mean, I've got really great people around me. I've got a great team around me and nothing happens by myself. Um, Successful people and, and good people always say that. So, you know, uh, it's well done. Yep. Hats off. But I, I always want to give credit to everybody else, especially these manufacturers. I Listen, I, I get as humbled walking into these factories and, you know, asking Benji to do this and Ernesto and Manola Casada. And, you know, I've done a project with A.J. Fernandez to walk into these legendary factories and actually wanted to do stuff with them. Um, you never know what they're going to say. But, you know, I guess my reputation precedes me because they're excited to do that. And I'm like, dude, I you've done some stuff. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I haven't done anything yet. You know, you guys are the guys. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's yeah. a really unique situation to be able to walk into it. And I'm always shocked when these guys say yes, that they want to do stuff. Yeah. It, I am blessed. So thank you. That's pretty, it's pretty fantastic just to be able to, uh, to learn from. And, and the cool part is you, you learn something new every day, oh my God. you know, even somebody, you know, who's, who's, uh, you know, like, like Indiana, you learn, you learn something from her. I mean, you learn something about the Desflorado rapper. You know, from this, you know, at the time, twenty-four-year-old girl, you know, who is is going to turn into, uh, I, I'm convinced of it. Still, she's going to turn into a powerhouse in the in the business. So it's Absolutely. it's pretty cool to be able to learn those new things every day. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so let's we're going to shift a little bit, really yeah. quick, and we're going to move into uh, useless facts of the week. But it's kind of cool this week because they're not necessarily useless facts there, but they definitely tie into the archetype series. Um, and, and Michael, I was telling you before we went live that, you know, this is something that I've been, I, I never even really officially studied it. And, you know, like I said, I studied music in college, but, but I, it was always something in the back of my mind that I was, I was constantly, uh, excited and interested in, in, um, in the, the archetype mythos and the, the, the whole piece that goes behind it in in the you know the psychology and the you know the piece that makes up you know us as as people um and so i decided to start looking around for some interesting facts about carl jung who you know was the, the one of the fathers of psychoanalysis him along with uh uh with sigmund freud and and some others who who really sort of built the way that we analyze the the way that human beings think and 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 grow as as people and so he actually he was a pretty interesting cat honestly and and he had some some pretty cool stuff going on so um so he actually coined the terms and a lot of people don't know this he coined the terms introvert and extrovert and we talk about this a lot you know on our podcast as far as 
you know, people who are premium cigar lovers who go into cigar shops or go to herfs and things like that, you're going to have people from every walk of life. You're going to have people who are introverts who there's something about that cigar culture and that cigar community that that sort of breaks down that wall that that um, that introverts tend to put up around themselves. Mm. And he actually he created those terms. Those were those were all him. Um, so that I thought that was pretty cool. They were and they were first published in a, a book of his. Uh, he wrote a book in 1921 called um, uh, Psychological Types, and that was the first time those terms were ever used. And I thought that was pretty awesome. So can I um, ask what do you what do you consider yourselves? Uh, well. I am more of an introvert, and I think Garrett is the opposite. <laughs> I am definitely the extrovert. Um, which is it's weird because so many people who know me, when I say that I'm an introvert, they say, bullshit, you're not an introvert. And I say, well, I, I actually am an introvert. But um, a lot of people don't see that side of me. The A lot of people who know me have only seen the extrovert side of me. Um, but uh, it, I, I suppose... Um, yeah, it just depends on kind of where I'm at and what I'm doing and who I'm with. And, but, you know, I, I enjoy the solitude of sitting, you know, sitting alone with a, you know, with a, with a glass of whiskey and a cigar and, um, some soft music in the background and just kind of staring up at the sky. I, I, I do enjoy that solitude, but I also enjoy this, the, the community of being around people and talking about cigars and music and sports and politics and all the, you know, the events of the day. So, um, uh, so he also, I, and this was kind of cool to me. He actually also wrote a book about UFOs. I didn't know that. Um, but it's, it's cool because he didn't write a book about UFOs as if to say, I'm going to prove that they exist and I'm going to prove that they're real. The, and this is total Carl Jung fashion. He's, he wrote a book that basically talked about, it was sort of a commentary on how, belief in such things can impact our our development psychologically and um uh and things like that and it was a book called um a modern myth of things seen in the skies and so and it was just a commentary of of how our belief in certain uh supernatural or uh uncommon things can change the way we develop as people. I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, and the last one is this is, and this is one that I heard on, uh, on another podcast um, that it's probably an ur- urban legend. It's probably bullshit, but I still think it's kind of funny is there the, he and uh, Sigmund Freud were, were contemporaries, but they had a falling out at the end and, you know, uh, didn't their relationship didn't end well, unfortunately, but, while they were still close friends and contemporaries, uh, you know, the, the joke was that, uh, not the joke, but I mean, Sigmund Freud spent a great deal of his career talking about how, you know, our development is so closely linked to our early sexual development and, you know, um, learning about sexual development through, through, um, through our figures above us, our mothers, our aunts, our sisters, things like that. And, and people would always joke with Sigmund Freud and say, oh, you're obsessed with, you know, wanting to have sex with your mother. And and there's an urban legend that one day 
Carl Jung said, well, if you ever see, if you've ever seen Sigmund Freud's mother, you'd want to have sex with her too. (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought that I hope that story is true because that I would, that's one of those situations where I would want to be in the room with those guys while they're smoking cigars and drinking brandy and, and talking through those situations, because I bet that would have been a riot to be a part of those conversations. Amen. No doubt. So do you know about the red book? I don't. Okay. So the red book is a cool story. I, I, you know, I was in Zurich uh, early part of this year, over the 4th of July. And when I came back, I, Somebody told me, you know, bro, you were in Zurich and there's a museum of Carl Jung there. Did you not go? And I'm like, oh, man, I was so focused on what I was doing. But what's interesting about the Red Book, it is a it it was right before he died. It's actually a Red Book that he actually would sketch his dreams in. And it is some creepy stuff that he's almost like on a psychedelic trip that he's actually um uh, drawing these drawings of his dreams. It's, it's pretty fascinating. You can look this up on the internet, obviously, um, and you can see some wild sketches. But the, the story was that this book was held. Um, the family didn't want to release it. This young Jungian historian came in and finally got the family to release this. And he spent about 10 years compiling this book and actually got released in 2010. And to this date, I have not gotten that book, but I've been scouring the internet looking at these really cool things. And it's a different path of what he was thinking um he does get into some dark stuff which is also pretty fascinating yeah um but i think these creative geniuses do do that because you know it's funny i was watching uh this weekend like great movies on cnn the only reason i watch cnn um but they were talking about um it's a wonderful life and if you notice story to post post script to it's a wonderful story it's actually very dark about azuzu you know, the girl with the little um, with the flower petals. Yeah. yeah. Petals, right. And, you know, even that story is kind of dark. Think about that. Committing suicide on Christmas Eve and wanting yeah. to help yourself out is an interesting darkness to that story. But it became a holiday. If you think about it, how did that become a very happy, joyous holiday story? Um, it's an interesting thing. And so Young is down that path as well. So, you know, looking to tap into some of that. But I love the fact that you were talking about Freud and um young and that they were contemporaries and then but what's interesting about that is that any part of your life you're either a master or a pupil right and Mm -hmm. anywhere you are in your career like you should always have somebody that you're mentoring and you should also have a mentor it's Mm -hmm. very interesting to have that right and young i think is one of the people that started that so to see that breakup is really interesting because young had his own ideas that freud didn't want him to break out of that he was his pupil and so he became the master of his own destiny yeah really interesting yeah that's very cool um, so now, mm. uh, my favorite segment of the week, numero de, de los, los muertos. <laughs> All right. What's the number? We right? We're dark. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Speaking of darkness. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've got a bit of a twist this week. Uh-oh. A twist. I love mm-hmm. it. Uh, the number is three, but it's three. N- yeah, but it's not people. Or animals or the number of the dead. The number three is time. So it is three hours. Oh, you're really mixing it up on me this week. Yeah. Three Three hours. So three hours. Something happens in three hours after death. 
Okay. So in humans? In humans. Something happens in three hours after death. Um, okay. Another hint, please. The IRS calls. <laughs> it's got to be the It's always the IRS. Nailed it. No. <laughs> um, another hint. Um, so in with uh, after three hours, there's um, changes that start to happen to the body. So your bodily fluids. That has already happened. Okay. Um, you obviously start to decompose rather quickly. Correct. Now, this isn't an official um, part of rigor mortis. However, it is a, um, a measurable um, determination of time of death. You're start to constrict? Nope. Um, <laughs> is it, uh, let me get my, let me get my phone out and start. Is, looking. It, is it in the, uh, <laughs> Google everything. Is it in the circulatory system? It is not. Is it, uh, it's, um, so it's one of the last things a person, um, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say it. I think we're, we're pretty far away. Okay. Um, and there's not many more hints I can give basically after you die on your deathbed, on your death, you will receive total total consciousness. consciousness. Yep. Um, (laughs) the last meal you ate. Oh, you take a dump. No, that's already happened. Um, so the last meal you ate, the bill comes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> you um the last meal starts to um digest your insides oh at that three did, that hours did get dark man at three hours your last meal starts starts to, to digest your insides because your stomach acids have they're gone they're gone at this point and your last meal creates enzymes then starts eating you from the inside oh dude so gary what have you been watching (laughs) yeah wow man wow so three hours all right well um i i have no response to that i i shoot Damn. Well, I got to start digging deeper. That's you true. Know? You start to run out of numbers of like you know, how many people die on skateboards every year? How many people die on ladders every year? I mean, we've gone through a lot of them, you know, even in just 22 episodes. But yeah, I imagine you've got to start to kind of dig I a little do. deeper. So I dug deep this. this I like last that, week. though. I mean, hey, that's that's thinking outside the box, right? That's thinking outside the the, the digestive tract. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, man. I love it. Yeah. Um, let's let's do a lightning round, um, Michael. I'm, we'll go back um, to um, just some su- kind of quick hit questions. Um, if you could give one piece of advice 
to new cigar consumers, what would it be? Try every cigar that you can. Try everything you can. Try everything. That's one way that you will expose your palate. It's a question I get all the time. Um, I'm a new newbie into cigars and I don't know much. And I'm like, bro, do you eat something every day? Do you drink something every day? Then you are the master of your own palate. And yeah. what you like is what you like. And the, the only way you're going to get to do that is smoke everything you can. And you're going to go back to five or six great cigars that you love. That just hits the spot for you. Yeah. And when you get your, when you get your palate trained, it's just like with food, like you mentioned, you don't eat cheeseburgers or, or huevos rancheros or, or whatever every day you mix it up. You have cheeseburger here. You have a little Indian food there. You have some ice cream, you have some cake, whatever it is. And the same is true with cigars. There's going to be different cigars that are going to satisfy different parts of your palate. And you want something sweet and rich. Do you want something spicy and bold? And the same as, you know, the same, we, we equate cigars and food all the time here and you're, you hit the nail on the head. And there's only six things you can taste. That's six. Sweet, sour, salt, bitter, umami, and meat. And so that's all we taste as humans. And it's funny, when I first started as a chef, there were only four, sweet, sour, salt, and bitter. And the idea was that when I was learning how to be a chef, my head chef said to me, there's two things you need to learn. If you're going to put ingredients on the plate, you better be able to taste them all. And it's mm-hmm. something out of balance. You're wasting my materials, and you don't know how to cook. And it's no different than cigars. There's six things you're going to do. Now they added umami, which is meat flavors without using meat. So it's mushrooms, soy sauce, anchovies, et cetera, et cetera. And then meat, straight up meat. Yeah. So it's the only way, like, I, you know, I don't eat all these crazy foods anymore. I'm on a very restrictive diet just because I want to live to be 103. That's a whole nother conversation. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, to be able to get a really great palate is you have to experience different foods, as you mentioned, Matt, and, same thing with cigars. Try different things because you'll know the difference between the way a specific manufacturer makes a Nicaraguan cigar or Dominican cigar, et cetera. Yeah. And whatever way it hits your palate, that just says into your part of your brain that makes you smile like smiley cat. It was just like, Whoop. yeah, that's what you're looking for. Totally. Um, so the same question, if you could give um, one piece of advice to cigar retailers, and I know you deal a lot, a lot with retailers and give advice to retailers. So, What's the what's the piece of advice you see yourself giving most often to retailers? Um, let me show you how you're going to make money. Okay. Um, don't always buy cigars that you like because you some of the greatest retailers out there know what their customers like, but you will shock them with something different. And so, you know, as we try to go to market, we try to show retailers how they're making money because our retailers are our lifeblood. I mean, they're a lot of them are mom and pops and, you know, they, they have the same expenses as we all do. They have employees, they have to pay taxes, they have to put on the lights. Yeah. No form, right? And that's our job. I mean, all we can ask them is put our stuff on the shelf and it's my job to help it pull off the shelf and reach the consumers like, do try this cigar because it's going to hit you different. And it's something unique that we're doing. Yeah. Uh, and the last one, uh, if you could give any piece of advice to what is now called the PCA, the IPCPR, if you could give one piece of advice to them, what would it be? And this is where we get real talk. So, Okay, so. <laughs> I just saw you put on the political hat. <laughs> a political hat. I, I'm going to tell you this. I um. I'm the guy that comes from immigrant, immigrant parents and to live the American dream, um, 
is something very unique. And the only way you get there is by finding something that you're passionate about and going to town to do that. What we have this divisiveness in this country right now, whatever it is, um, the discourse about trying to bring everybody together is something very difficult because you have a bunch of different groups out there that all have different agendas. And it's no different than what's going on in our trade right now. Listen, we have a lot of headwinds against us between the FDA, which I think is sitting on top of all of us which could stifle innovation going into the future. And these great masters that I work with that have given us the baton to move forward with, it's kind of interesting. I just think that as a group, and we're a very small group, we all need to be on the same page of how we fight what we fight and everybody needs to get along at the end game is let's keep the cigar industry good moving. Let's keep the retailers moving and selling cigars and having consumers enjoy the cigars. Yeah. a bit of rifts in our organizations because everybody's got a little bit different agenda. It's my, purely my opinion in that we should all try to get on the same page and tobacco is tobacco. And I don't know how this has become an evil because our country's built on this and we're all adults here and we all make decisions right or wrong, but it's our lives to go do that. So if we could save our organization, because there's a lot of rifts that happen at the show and it's, it's a very unstable time in our organization. It's an unstable time with what the FDA is trying to do. And I hope there are smarter people than me that can figure out how we can pull everybody together so we can keep this organization going forward. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. 100%. Best way I can say that. Yeah. No, I'm just curious if anybody's selling a couch. <laughs> <laughs> are there any couches for sale that you know of? Um, you know, listen, everything's for sale. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll just see the money first. That's true. Uh, I That's honestly true. don't know if we got uh, shared to some couch loving group, <laughs> but the amount of couch. Yeah, we're getting a lot of comments. couch, a lot of couch comments, a lot of couch. And I dig the couch comments. Honestly, keep the oh, couch yeah. comments. Coming, Absolutely. As far as I'm concerned. Hey, um, if we if we build a bridge, you know, to the couch community, I say, yeah, I say bring it on. Absolutely. It's a great place. <laughs> smoke a cigar <laughs> we're not selling a couch that is a today. great that is a great place to smoke cigars yeah. on the couch amen um so uh notable smokables um this mm-hmm. week um i smoked some some new stuff that i was excited to try and uh um some stuff that was uh um well one thing that wasn't quite super new but um uh you know kind of interesting uh so starting with new stuff for me this week i smoked the uh, the new Hoya de Nicaragua Numero Ooh, Uno, yes. uh, which I bought it at Stogie, so yep. I bought a couple of them. I did. Um, I had one too. Now it was it got a bunch of press because it was number one cigar of the year from uh, Half Wheel yep. last year. Um, I thought it was a good cigar. I thought it was a very good cigar. Agreed. I wouldn't necessarily put it at the top of my list, but I thought it was a very. I mean, it's Hoya de Nicaragua. They know what they're doing. Yep. Um, I thought it was a very high quality cigar. So I agree. What was one of yours? Um. The Mexican experience. Oh, Mexican experiment. Experiment. Dang it. The the tatuaje. Now, yep. did you have the ME? I did have the or ME. Or the ME2. And, oh, well, I had the ME2. Which did you like better? Because I tried both also. <clears throat> um, I think I liked them the same. They were different. Okay. okay. Um, uh, the ME2 may be um, uh, etched out. I agree. Yeah, same. Just slightly better. Because yep. some combustion issues on, oh, on, really? on all of them for me, but they're, they? br- okay. they're brand spanking new. So yeah. what are you, you going to do? Yep. Um, 
another one for me was the um, one that came out, I believe, last year. Not brand new, but the Alec Bradley Magic Toast. Ooh, um, good, good cigar. Um, super bold, super bold, but a lot of flavor, a lot of stuff going on. Um, tons of smoke output. So um, at the new Perfect Ash that uh, here, yeah, in, that's uh, right. The, so they just reopened. Yeah. Uh, so they had that on their shelf, and I said, "Hey, I haven't had one of those in about a year." So I grabbed one. And, um, definitely uh, uh, one of my favorite Alec Bradley cigars. Awesome. Um, I had, I, I, and I'm still just getting over a cold. I don't know if you can hear it a little bit, but um, I was uh, in in serious man cold mode <laughs> um, majority of the week, so I didn't get to um, many many cigars. But the other one that I had was uh, I did have the fifty first. The fifty first. <laughs> um, that name I'll never get over. That man, and, and it, it was uh, that was the uh, last cigar I had before my cold really went yeah. into high gear. Yeah. But a lot of flavor, mm-hmm. great cigar. Yeah, my my last one of the week was uh, just as far as of note um, was um, the, so. There's the Leaf series by Oscar Leaf mm-hmm. by Oscar. Um, you know, with uh, Oscar Valladares, uh, Jim Robinson, and and those guys. Um, and I had never tried the leaf by Omar, mm. um, which, uh, let me see my notes here. Cause I wrote, I had never tried it. Um, so Omar Gonzalez Alemans, uh, it's, uh, the, from the La Corona factory in Nicaragua, um, uh, best known for, uh, being the factory behind Hirochi Robina cigars. Oh. Um, the, so the HR brand, yep. um, I had never tried the leaf by Omar. It was a very good cigar. I got it at Ramsey smoke shop here in town. Yep. Um, and I was very surprised by it. Very Good. Very good. So uh just comes in one size, six by fifty-two, but yeah. good cigar. Um, so uh uh Michael, tell us about what I know uh, if if I'm remembering this correctly, you've got some big events coming up. Are you going to Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival? Be there this leaving Thursday. I'll be there uh we're doing on Saturday we're doing a VIP. I'm gonna teach uh, the VIPs how to roll cigars. So sixty of those folks are lined up. Um and then I'm off to Switzerland, Dortmund, back to Switzerland, Vegas, Big Smoke, and everywhere in between. I'm going to be in Ohio at uh, Strauss Cigar Dinner at Montgomery Inn hmm. last week in October. So I've got a, you know, I won't be home much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, it's fun. Yeah, it's got a lot of cool. Stuff. So check us out on Ventura Cigar. Check out our Instagram page, um, MPGBCC. Um, you can get to see where I go. I don't post a lot of stuff. Um, Because I'm just busy and I don't find my life as fascinating as some people out there find it. But I do have, I do post stuff and it's fun. So you'll see where I'm at. Absolutely. Um, Hey, we appreciate it so much. You being on with us. Thank you. Sharing your story. Um, uh, So just to give people a little bit of a heads up of what we have coming up on How About That Cigar. Um, On uh, September 3rd. Uh, we're going to speak with uh, Jeff Borshowitz from Corona mm-hmm. Cigar Company and the Florida Sun Grown Tobacco Farm. Uh, and then on September 10th, we're going to talk to Steve Saka from mm-hmm. uh, Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. And then on uh, September 24th, we are going to sit down and uh, interview Mr. Klaus Kellner from Davidoff Cigars. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we have some exciting stuff coming up. Uh, continue to follow us. Uh, how about that cigar dot com? Follow our Facebook page, uh, Instagram at HBT Cigar. Twitter is the same at HBT Cigar. Um, and uh, follow everything that's going on with Ventura Cigars as well. Ask for them at your brick and mortar shops. And if they don't carry them, say, hey, get these on your shelves because 
they are definitely doing some very creative and very cool stuff and working with some incredible people. So, Michael, thank you again for joining us. Yep. And this, uh, this Psycho su- 7. The Psycho Nicaragua is super stupid. good. Stupid good. I nubbed it. And uh, fantastic all the way to the nub. Thank so you very much. When you see uh, when you see yep. Indiana or again, um, just let her know that we're thinking about her and uh, congratulate her on this new cigar and uh, you know give her uh, um, give her a handshake and a hug from us. Yep, for sure. All right. Hey, thanks again, uh, everybody who has joined us. Uh, and if you are listening on the audio podcast, um, don't forget to uh, subscribe to the audio podcast so you don't ever miss another episode. If you're on Facebook. Uh, you can hit the uh, notification so you make sure you will know whenever we go live. Uh, and if you have any questions, feel free to leave them in the comments. You can email us on the website as well. And as we say every week, burn cigars, not bridges. Take care, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.